will find Nosarai. He was my father's friend. I know he will listen. How can you be certain of this? I can't. But it's time for me to lead. And this, I feel, is my only course of action. I will ready our people, Prince. But Captain, you're injured. I'll be ready to fight. With our future king. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, dastardly Separatist Commander Rip Tamsin holds our heroes hostage with electric eels as he hunts Prince Lichar. But the young prince has other plans and unites the Quarren and Mon Calamari to fight back and foil the Separatist schemes. Hey, chips, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars is the Anakin Tamar Soka. That's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello everyone. And we are here to talk about the 69th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Jose Molina and directed by Danny Keller. It's season four, episode three, Prisoners. So Robbie, how about we start to plan our escape with you letting us know if there were any specific details you remembered about Prisoners before you rewatched it again this week, or was this yet another case? of an arc that sort of blends together in your memory. Well, I mean, now that I'd watched 401 and 402, I was able to go, okay, so this is the one with the big final battle. This is the one with the just sheer brutality on display. I mean, this one, there's just something about it that it's just, it's so so violent. And that's what I remembered when we started it off. I was like, okay, so this is the one with this and this and this, all these things that I remembered being super violent in 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 the episode. That's funny you say that because I I didn't feel like this was particularly more violent than other episodes. So that's a pretty interesting note. Maybe I'm getting more desensitized to Clone Wars violence than you are. I mean, it is definitely striking when you see Rift Hams and fight or whenever these sharks fight because they are literally biting heads off, you know. But were there any particular moments in the episode that stand out to you as super violent? Yeah, one of the ones that, and I don't know if, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's the, you know, sort of the lion, you know, we're going to open the lion's mouth and put our head in it, you know, kind of thing. But when Tamsin comes up and bites Padme's helmet and breaks it with his jaws, (laughs) I mean, there's something like, I don't know, there was something very visceral about that. Like, for some reason, it just really, really stuck out to me as being super brutal. And then toward the very end, when he's, you know, stabbing people with these bombs, and then you see them basically liquefied and then there's just blood everywhere i mean they're, they're almost like atomized almost but there was just the, the blood and the and it was just like and, and and chunks it was like right that's brutal man i mean you correct me if i'm wrong but i don't remember ever seeing that in a clone wars episode before no it's interesting that you say that especially with the chunks it's almost like the aftermath that really drives home what happened but i think because rift tamsin attacks people like all the way back to the first episode by biting them that still seemed more violent to me than these explosions in a way and i definitely get what you're saying about how visceral the scene is where he comes right up to padme and it's super intimidating and terrifying but 
all he does is puncture a tiny little hole in her helmet, whereas in the previous episodes, I mean, wasn't he literally biting heads off? So I think that's why it's interesting that this episode was one that stood out to you as super violent when if I pull back or, you know, even during the episode, it didn't seem more violent than the previous episodes, I guess. I don't know. I, I guess it just it just stuck in my head on this one. I mean, and it made me pause it and go, holy, whoa, I don't remember that. I, I guess there's something just very, I guess, intrusive about being stabbed and then it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, whoa. I don't know. Just it, like I was like, who was that with those? And I went back and watched it a couple of times, that scene. And it's a couple of the Mon Calamari soldiers. And then it's, I want to say it's a couple of Gungans too. That gets basically, like I said, exploded at the end. And it was just like, whoa. I don't know. There was something just really brutal about that. Well, of course, all that stabbing and exploding kind of sets up the finale, Robbie. We might as well just get straight to it. And we've talked before about how Jaws is the greatest non-Star Wars movie of all time, right? I mean... It's it's way up there. It's right up there with Raiders for me. I mean, I can Jaws is my favorite movie of all time, but or at least my favorite non-Star Wars movie of all time, and maybe Raiders just here underneath. I don't know. But here, of course... In this episode, we get a fun tribute to Jaws when Riff Tamsin is charging Prince Lee Char. We see the prince attach something explodey to the shark, which is pretty reminiscent of Jaws, and then shoots it to smithereens as it charges him, which is right out of Jaws. And then we get those chunks that you were talking about, those shark bits sinking through the water column after the Big Bang, which again is Jaws. And though we don't get any lines about needing a bigger boat or any mares trying to keep the beaches open, which... The episode definitely would have had if I had written it, Robbie. How did you like that Jaws tribute? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, in fact, uh, you know, spoiler alert, that's my shot of the episode. Haha, <laughs> nice. Is Prince Lee Char taking aim, and it reminded me of the Roy Scheider bit in Jaws. So, and you're right, Jaws is up there. Sometimes it's in my top five, sometimes it slips out and Raiders comes back in. I mean, it's it's a tough one, but uh, yeah, those are definitely uh, some great movies to, uh, to reference if you're going to do it. They sure are, Robbie, and since we're talking about Rift Hamson, someone we haven't mentioned yet is Gary Anthony Williams, who, in his only Clone Wars performance, plays Rift Hamson in these three episodes, although my research tells me that he played a role in Rebels and is currently working in what appears to be a regular role on Resistance, and Rift Hamson is another in that long line of Clone Wars baddies who seem to really love their jobs as villains. We've talked about that sort of aspect of being a Star Wars villain before that they seem to really enjoy it, but Gary Anthony Williams gives Rift Tamsin a fairly unique and particularly theatrical way of expressing the joy he takes in his villainy. I wouldn't call it exactly Shakespearean, but a lot of the time his delivery, it's almost stagey and very old school, almost English theatre, even though he's not necessarily talking in it. I guess he is. Is it sort of an English accent? I don't even know what his accent is, but anyway, the point is, Gary Anthony Williams, Robbie, how did you like here at the end of his arc, how did you like his performance? You know, that's one thing that I will say is that even though I was, ne- I, I mean, you know, here's another spoiler alert. Not a huge fan of this arc, but <laughs> at the same time, he made the character memorable. And his performance is kind of sticks out as being so different than what we've seen before. Yeah. And I, I think it's just a, a matter of, you know, a lot of times you have you know, a lot of these actors, or a lot of these voice actors, they're playing multiple roles on multiple episodes. They can be playing bad guys, good guys, whatever. You know, it's just 
kind of utilizing the talent that you have on staff, but it's interesting to have somebody come in and do something that's really completely different than what we'd seen before. So, so yeah, no, I definitely applaud his performance, even if it is in sort of not my favorite arc. Yeah, it's got to be a challenge. I mean, we're almost 70 episodes into the show and it's got to be a challenge to keep introducing new villains and to keep having them stand out as their own thing. And even though he has, like we, like I just mentioned, he has that same personality trait of all the Star Wars villains where he seems to really love his job, you know, he's having a great time being a villain. They still manage to make him distinct, you know, so you've got to give the episode props for that. Another thing that's got to be a challenge to keep fresh is trying to introduce elements into the story to build the tension that don't feel like something we've seen before in the show and i'm trying to think of another use of a ticking clock type scenario in the clone wars robbie i mean we've already talked about padme getting that hole in her mask and i can't think of another episode i mean here we are 70 episodes in and we're going at this pace that can make it hard to think back sometimes because we finish one we move on to the next one so fast and maybe they don't stick in the mind as well as they would if we were watching them at a slow pace but anyway can you remember another Clone Wars episode with a ticking clock type deal like that? I mean, the only thing I can think of is the one with the uh, the bombs in the uh, the shadow blue shadow virus. Right, right. Those episodes. I mean, that's the only other time that I can think of. But yeah, I mean, I guess when they're infected and in, in um, Mystery of a Thousand Moons, right? Yeah, but it's weird though. It's you know what this for some reason I don't and I don't know maybe it's because of the lighting, but it reminded me of. Uh, God, which Batman movie is it? Is it the one with Val Kilmer? Gosh, I can't remember. But where I thought that that's where they were going. It, it was the way it was set up. It was reminiscent of it, where he kind of had to choose between Robin and what's her name, Chase Meridian. I think is the, is okay. Nicole Kidman's character in Batman Forever, and he's got to choose which one to save. And I thought that's where they were heading. And it really wasn't. It was just literally, eh, I'm going to bite Padme's <laughs> helmet. Yeah. So it starts flooding. And then Jar Jar saves the day by spitting something, like you know, which I didn't know was a Gungan talent. Yep. Gungan waterproofing, Robbie. And spoiler alert, my favorite shot of the episode. Uh-oh. That was your favorite shot, huh? Yeah. That's a- <laughs> That's so funny. funny. It was so funny. I mean, it comes, I mean, it was combined with Jar Jar saying, you know, Gungan waterproofing. That was a terrible judge, but yeah, that was. <laughs> I just thought it was so fun that moment, the way they puncture the tension with Jar Jar sometimes. You know, there's been other times in Star Wars where Jar Jar's goofiness has, I guess, undermined things, but in this scene and in that particular moment, I thought it was, you know, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Hang on, I just interrupted you, didn't I? What were you, you were in the middle of talking about how they solved the problem of the ticking clock? Oh, no, it just... I mean, well, here, you, you'd pretty much finished making that point, though. Yeah, it was just the, the, the idea that it, it was very reminiscent of that Batman Forever. But that leads me to something that I just read on IMDb that I think is really kind of funny, is the reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's something that I remember being kind of funny in the episode. For some reason, I didn't note it down is when they introduce the eels to electrify them. Right. Kit Fisto says, eels, very dangerous. Like, all, like, matter of fact. <laughs> like, it's no big thing. Right. And it's the same way that Sala says, asps, very dangerous. Yeah. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is something I didn't I didn't pick up on, but I, I appreciated the humor of it because Kit Fisto's like, yeah, eels, very dangerous. You know, it's just, it's just really kind of funny. And it's, it's also funny that Every time you see Anakin being shocked, 
you never see Kit Fisto being shocked because he's relaxed, kind of in the in the center, and it's just like a he just treats it like a, almost like a prison. But he's just sitting there, and Anakin's constantly being shocked because he can't keep still and he can't keep reacting, and it's just kind of funny the way that the the way that that scene sort of plays out. Yeah, I might have to watch it again because I don't don't they electrocute both of them at first, but then. After a couple of shocks, yeah, I can't remember seeing Kit Fisto get electrocuted again, whereas Anakin keeps doing things to bring it on. At first, it's almost like a display of power. You know, here's what's going to happen to you two Jedi. They both get shocked, you know, a couple of times. But then Rift Tamsin leaves, right? And after Rift Tamsin leaves, I, I, yeah, I don't think Kit Fisto got right. electrocuted again. And like you say, you know, he's this is his world, and he's just generally a cooler, calmer character as it is. So, yeah, that makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny the way that the way that he said that and the way that the he reacts because I think that he even makes a, a point to to tell Anakin to calm down. Well, someone who had trouble staying calm in this episode, Robbie, and someone we haven't really mentioned in the last two episodes, No Sarai, and the character that he reminded me of the most was Padme's Uncle Ono, all the way back in Bombad Jedi, and we've sort of talked about how this arc is reminiscent of previous arcs, you know, and this was that element of. Someone selling out people who should be their friends and what have you. And coincidentally, of course, that was another episode featuring the legendary heroism of Jar Jar. But Nosarai, I guess his role is to be a frustrating character. And while it's not that much fun to see him be this kind of beaten down character, I've still got to give the episode a point or two for doing it effectively. Did you feel the same thing about Nosarai, Robbie? Yeah, I mean... It's just one of those things where, like you said, it's almost his role to be frustrating because it's like, yeah, you can't see this, you can't understand what's going on, that you're being manipulated and your whole race of people is being manipulated, huh? But uh, honestly, it, it almost feels real world-like, you know, because there's, you know, times in history and you could even argue today where people are being manipulated by people in power, you know? And it's it's just one of those things where, like you said, it's it's just sort of frustrating. Well, someone who has become less frustrating as this arc has continued, Robbie. That's Prince Lee Cha. He comes up with the idea to unite all of the Mon Cala and the Quarren. And it's not exactly a stroke of genius. I mean, this has been the goal of the whole arc all along, right? And his true insight is really still that once he comes up with that, Ahsoka asks what's the strategy, and he's not ready for that yet. So his thing is, well, we've got to find Akbar. He'll come up with the strategy. So he doesn't really rise to any real heights of greatness and i guess part of the reason that this arc doesn't fully resonate with me is that i just am generally not inspired by stories of royalty i mean the whole idea of royalty is just uh something that you know know, people being born into roles is something that i'm i guess against and you know and i mean you're even i'm part of the commonwealth there and you're american so i'm sure you're even less enamored by royalty than i am but I wonder if that was a part of why this whole story kind of never really clicked with me. But with it, instead of me saying how you probably relate to it, why don't you tell us, Robbie, how did you like Princely Char's arc as a whole? And I guess this, well, what do we call this arc? And I guess the Prince Lee Char three episode story as a whole. Well, you know, I, it's weird because, I mean, yeah, I'm, we don't deal with royalty here in America, but at the same time, I can respect and understand why that is a, I guess, a, a form of government, you know? I mean, I, I, I get it. But Princely Char, I think it's because I never really bought 
his character. And I don't know if that's a story issue or character issue or voicing issue even. I mean, I'm not sure. But I, I just never, I never got attached to Princely Char. You know what I mean? I, I just sure. there's something about the character that just never resonated with me, and never I never got attached to. So it's hard for me to to really buy this. Oh, all of a sudden I'm gonna I'm gonna be the hero that we deserve, and blah blah blah. I just I don't know. I just didn't get it. And maybe it's just because of you know he's been in other Star Wars, but of course I I was more attached to Akbar than I was Lee Char at all. And it's nice to see Akbar get his little scene of of heroism in this one too. But right, I don't know. I just I don't know if, like I said, I, I can't pinpoint where the fault lies. I mean, if if they would have had his turn, I guess it just felt like he was so indecisive for so long. Yeah, that it makes it almost like a plot device. You know that. Oh well, now is the point where he turns and he becomes the hero and he becomes the king that they deserve and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the whole story has felt kind of on rails, and I think that is what I really kind of, I guess, blame for never really being engaged with it. But the royalty thing, I mean, even, I, this is a sort of an aside, I recently rewatched The Lion King for the first time since ever ago, and I'd remembered liking it back in the day, but rewatching it, it did almost nothing for me. And part of that, when I was thinking about why doesn't The Lion King work for me anymore, part of it was that thing about how you know, royalty is a perverse. I mean, maybe I shouldn't make it. Maybe I shouldn't state it quite that potentially inflammatorily. But you know, I'm anti-royal, and that movie is all about a prince being, you know, his destiny and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. It's just not my deal, and so I, that's part of what I blame for this episode as well. But let's sum up before I say anything else potentially inflammatory, Robbie. Before we bring prisoners in for a landing. Let's give our ratings. How did you like Prisoners, and where does it sit on that four-star Robbie scale? I honestly have to put this one at a 2.5. So it's still, I mean, like I said, I I almost feel like the only purpose of this arc is to remind everyone that Akbar is out there, and this is sort of how the Mon Calamari people get involved with the Republic and maybe those first seeds of the Mon Calamari being instrumental in the rebellion. But that's it. I just can't see it being recommended watching at least the story part for the Clone Wars as a whole. So yeah, I mean, that's where I have it. I have it at 2.5. Yeah, I have it at about the same level, Robbie. I have prisoners at five electric eel shocks out of 10. I mean, part of it was something that we mentioned in a previous episode where I just am not that compelled by the underwater stuff, which I guess is weird because in real life, you know, I am, but I don't know. That was part of it, I guess. And obviously part of it is that princely charge just never really clicked for me. But that's mission accomplished for season four, episode three, Prisoners. So Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Of course, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 70th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's season four, episode four, Shadow Warrior. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. 
Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. Will be with you always.